Draw near, O nations, to hear and give attention, O peoples. Let the earth hear and all that fills it, the world and all that comes from it. For the Lord is enraged against all the nations and furious against all their host. He has devoted them to destruction. He has given them over for slaughter. Their slain shall be cast out, and the stench of their corpses shall rise. The mountains shall flow with their blood. All the host of heaven shall rot away, and the skies roll up like a scroll. All the host shall fall as leaves from the vine, as leaves falling from the fig tree. For my sword has drunk its fill in the heavens. Behold, it descends for judgment upon Edom, upon the people I have devoted to destruction. The Lord has a sword. It is sated with blood. It is gorged with fat, with the blood of lambs and goats, with the fat of the kidneys of rams. For the Lord has a sacrifice in Bosra, a great slaughter in the land of Edom. Wild oxen shall fall with them, and young steers with the mighty bulls. Their land shall drink its fill of blood, and their soil shall be gorged with fat. For the Lord has a day of vengeance, a year of recompense for the cause of Zion. And the streams of Edom shall be turned to pitch, and her soil to sulfur. Her land shall become burning pitch. Night and day it shall not be quenched. Its smoke shall go up forever. From generation to generation it shall lie waste. None shall pass through it forever and ever. But the hawk and the porcupine shall possess it. The owl and the raven shall dwell in it. He shall stretch the line of confusion over it and the plumb line of emptiness. Its nobles, there is no one to call it a kingdom, and all its princes shall be nothing. Thorns shall grow over its strongholds, nettles and thistles in its fortresses. It shall be the haunt of jackals and a bull for ostriches. And wild animals shall meet with hyenas. The wild goat shall cry to its fellow. Indeed, there the night bird settles and finds for herself a resting place. There the owl nests and lays and hatches and gathers her young in her shadow. Indeed, there the hawks are gathered, each one with her mate. Seek and read from the book of the Lord. Not one of these shall be missing. None of them shall be without her mate. For the mouth of the Lord has commanded, and his spirit has gathered them. He has cast the lot for them. His hand has portioned it out to them with the line. They shall possess it forever. From generation to generation, they shall dwell in it. And we will turn later on to chapter 35 to see the Lord's solution to all of this. Turn now to uh, Isaiah chapter 35. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. 
It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there. And it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return. And come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy. And sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Isaiah 34 and 35. uh, They form a unit together of scripture. They're connected. Uh, It's not a before and after. It's, but they, they focus our attention on the work of God in, in this world in two particular ways. They reveal God to us too. And they reveal God's judgment upon evil, but they reveal God's work to us of salvation. Isaiah 34. In Isaiah 34, the Lord calls the nations of the earth to hear and give attention. And what Isaiah 34 says, it says about the whole world. It's addressed to the whole world and indeed to the whole cosmos. Uh, the stars are addressed, the whole world are addressed, is addressed. Uh, we do read uh, that Edom was singled out in several places in the text. But that's because Edom, this nation, is acting in, in a very typical or representative way. Uh, The day of justice and the day of reckoning and recompense is coming on all the earth. But Edom typifies the sins of the nations, full of pride and indifference to suffering, indifference to love. You could read all about it in the, the little prophecy of Obadiah. This is the Lord's verdict and judgment. A day of reckoning is coming, but the Lord now is enraged against all the nations and furious against all the host. It's an ongoing state of affairs. It's not something that's going to happen way in the unimaginable future. It's something that's with us now. God's anger leads to the picture of the earth in Isaiah 34. 
In effect, it's a, what's happening is a reversal of the creation of Genesis chapter 1. The world is being deconstructed by God's actions due to its sinfulness, or rather due to mankind's sinfulness. The effects are cosmic. Just as Genesis chapter 1 is cosmic, so the effects of God's anger is cosmic. That's why he addresses the whole world and indeed the whole universe. In Genesis chapter 1, there is life springing up all around us. It's a chapter of life. Newly created world is teeming with life. But in Isaiah 34, the overall impression is of death and decay. And just as the earth was formless and void, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, and God took that in hand and made the world from, from that formless and void state. So the earth is returning to that state. Just uh, It says in verse 11 of our reading in uh, Isaiah 34, uh, the exact same Hebrew phrase is used, but it's translated uh, not as formless and void, but as confusion and emptiness. He shall stretch out the line of confusion over it, and the plumb line of emptiness. Lines, plumb lines, they're used in building, aren't they? They're used for construction and, and building up in an orderly, planned way. And here the reference means that God is not constructing the world, but deconstructing the world in an orderly, planned way. Here the reference means that it's not God acting in a blind rage of fury, but in a systematic way. God sees the world at creation and declares it good. And in fact, when mankind is made, he declares the world very good. And now he looks upon the world of sin and his anger is raised. In Genesis, the man is sent out to cultivate and to populate the world. But now we see thorns and thistles taking over a depopulated world. It's all gone according to what had been forecast. Verse 16, seek and read from the book of the Lord. Seek and read. You could read about it there, God is saying. Not one of these shall be missing. Sin has had its full result, as was spoken of by God. And it's not a nature reserve that the world has been turned back into. It's not as if Eden has been rewilded. But it's a picture of the world under God's judgment. But it's not a world that's totally bereft of God. There are mercies. Isaiah 34, they shall possess it forever. From generation to generation they shall dwell in it. The end has not yet come. A day of reckoning will come. But for now the Lord is preserving this world. And the Spirit of the Lord is active in this world too. Seek and read from the book of the Lord. Not one of them shall be missing. None shall be without her mate. For the mouth of the Lord has commanded. And his Spirit has gathered them. Uh, to, to borrow uh, a verse from Isaiah chapter 1. 
For the Lord of hosts, for, sorry, if the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors, we would have become like Sodom and been like Gomorrah. And although the world lies under God's severe judgment, he preserves the earth and gives mercy and grace that the earth is not totally destroyed. Isaiah 34 is a picture of what it's like to be under God's judgment. And yet the earth is preserved. Well, it's with some sense of relief. Uh, we turn the page and come to Isaiah chapter 35. Uh, the second half of this double unit of scripture. And it tells us of a world renewed. And it speaks what happens when God comes to save. It speaks of a road, uh, the way of holiness where the ransomed and redeemed will travel to this new world. What's it like, Isaiah 35, what's it like? Creation springs to life. The desert blooms. Have you ever seen pictures of, uh, of desert land after, after it's rained? You know, there, there are wildflowers just sprout up everywhere. The, the animals come out uh, out of their hiding places after the drought. Uh, it, it will soon, after a little while, go back to being the desert, but not here. The desert blooms and sprouts and blossoms, but it doesn't go back to being desert. It's not a natural phenomenon. The Lord is doing it. Water abounds. The landscape sings. Have you ever looked on, uh, on a hillside, ever looked out on a hillside on a spring day and almost heard it singing to you? The landscape sings because of the work of God. But it's not just the landscape. Mankind is rejoicing too. The cultivated worlds of Carmel and Sharon, the human world, the human landscape, is rejoicing too. And even the anxious and the weak will be reinvigorated. They're encouraged. God is with them. And here's the major focus in verse 4. God will come and save you. That's what's made the difference. That's the difference. That's what's made the difference between chapter 34 and chapter 35. God has come to save us. And the next verse begins with a then. It's a consequence. All that follows is the result of God's salvation. Uh, this particular chapter doesn't give very much detail on how God will work in salvation. We've got to look at other chapters in Isaiah to, to see that. Surely he's borne our griefs. Surely he's carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds we are healed the picture of Christ on the cross that is how God saves us he takes upon himself in Christ all of our wrongdoings so back to Isaiah 35 the picture is um, Isaiah 35 is de depicting a spiritual reality. 
Uh, it's speaking to us in the language of nature, but it's speaking of a, a spiritual reality to us. Here's the soul that comes to Christ. Here's the soul that comes to Christ. The soul that comes to Christ comes alive. Like a desert coming into bloom. And it won't go back to being a desert. But the soul comes alive in Christ. The wilderness and the wasteland depicted in chapter 34. Even under God's judgment. Will come alive. The individual sinner. Under God's judgment without Christ. Comes alive with Christ. It's not just the individual that uh, it's speaking about and coming alive. It's on a, a wider scale. The chapter tells us about the coming of the kingdom of God. It is the work of the coming Messiah. He will come to put the curse away. And to bring his people back to Eden. The Lord is going to make a new people in a new world. These he will choose from across the nations. But when, though, um, in Isaiah's time, it was future. Well future when Christ would come. 700 years or so. But when Christ comes, he takes this prophecy to himself. It speaks of him. Uh, Matthew 11. Uh, verses 1 to 6 John the Baptist had been thrown into prison for his preaching in prison he perhaps had become a bit down to it and he wants reassurance so he sends some of his friends out to Christ to, to say to Christ are you the one? is, is it really you? And we read his reply. And Jesus answered them, the, the friends of John the Baptist, Go tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. And the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. He's quoting from Isaiah 35. He's saying, this is God's salvation. He's saying, he, the Christ, is God's salvation come into the world. Uh, to bring the world back from this judgment that it is under, back to God. It's not just for individuals. It's not just the individuals who are raised spiritually from dead to life, but for the coming of the kingdom of God too. In Christ's time it was present, but now the time of Christ has passed, yet the work of God's salvation is still at work amongst us. We don't see the lame healed, we don't see the blind see in a physical sense. All these healings will be when the Lord comes again. Or when we stand in his presence after death. But numbered with these things are the preaching of the gospel. The preaching of the good news to the poor is a sign that Christ is at work. That his salvation has come and that his kingdom is coming. That's current along with the spiritual blessings. The, the blind do see spiritually. 
every bit as much a miracle as the healing of physical sight. In some ways, it's even more of a healing of, than of physical sight. When a human being with a, a hard heart towards God, when the Holy Spirit gets to work in that person and turns them to Christ, that is a miracle. It really is. And that person comes from death to life. But the gospel is still preached, and that is still the sign that God's salvation is in the world. Do you see a brand plucked from the burning? That's God at work. Do you see a man or woman who are headed for destruction, arrested and turned round in their tracks? That's God at work. Do you, do you find a five-year-old who tells you that he loves Jesus without being prompted? That's God at work. There and then the Lord is renewing creation. And Isaiah 35 is in action. And Isaiah 34 is put into reverse. The world is under judgment. The Lord has mercy, the day of reckoning will come. But salvation has come into the world through Christ. And there's this highway to Zion. In Old Testament times, uh, it, it signaled the return of the exiles from the Babylon. But it's got a significance for us spiritually today too. It describes the way to, to the temple of God, to the place where God is. It's a way of holiness. It's a safe way. No wild beasts there. It's a sure way. You won't get lost on the way, even, even if you don't know the way. A fool shall not err therein. Uh, if you don't know the way, it's okay. You, you'll be directed in the right way. It is the way to God. And Christ, surely, is this way. The way, the truth, and the life. He is holy all who tread this way must be holy too, made so in God's sight by the death and resurrection of Christ and belief on him. Those traveling on this way, the way to God, are the redeemed and the ransomed, not simply saved. Uh, redeemed and ransomed, they, they describe what Christ has done. Uh, to redeem is to get somebody out of trouble. Uh, to to uh, in, in Old Testament times, uh, people had a, a redeemer. There was a, a special person, uh, a named individual, uh, for, a, for a family, let's say, or for a group of people. And if that family or that individual got into trouble, the, the redeemer would come along and help them out. Christ is the redeemer of his people. He's made himself so. The ransomed shall come. The heavy price paid to buy us back from slavery. The redeemed and the ransomed by God. They come with joy to everlasting life through Christ. Sorrow and sighing shall flee away. God himself with his own hand shall wipe away our tears as a father would his child. Uh, Revelation 7, they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, 
and he will guide them to springs of water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes in Revelation 21 the former things have passed away he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away so from a world in decay being actively systematically deconstructed by God because of human sinfulness a world under God's judgment a world that's becoming formless and void returning to Eden through Christ a life without God and without hope in the world brought alive by God himself that's the salvation that we have in Christ we have these great and precious promises from God they are ours by faith in Christ Amen let's pray our Heavenly Father we recognize and confess that we live in a world that is under your judgment yet we rejoice O Lord that salvation has come into the world through Christ we rejoice that there is a way to you we rejoice that in Christ human beings blossom and flourish and grow and come alive but it is all because of you and all through you and we pray Lord that as we tread this highway to Zion which is Christ himself that you will keep us safe on that and bring us safely to you in heaven at the end and we pray these things in Jesus name Amen <laughs>